Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Score North listeners, it's Phil Mackey here. And starting Monday, September 23rd and running through Friday, September 27th, we at Score North are raising money to feed and change the lives of Twin Cities homeless. We're calling it Score North's Mission for Meals, supporting the Union Gospel Mission Shelter in St. Paul. We're auctioning off some awesome sports-related packages, including Twins playoff tickets with luxury transportation to the ballpark, a Gopher football tunnel experience, a Vikings-Packers package, also live show sit-ins with Glenn Perkins, Alex Boone, and a lot more. Money raised will go directly into helping transform the lives of Twin Cities homeless. ScoreNorth.com slash Mission for Meals is where you can see all the packages. That's ScoreNorth.com slash Mission for Meals. Or if you just want to donate, you can go to the same website. $1.96 provides a meal and shelter for a homeless person. ScoreNorth.com slash Mission for Meals. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, Find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. You watch them play, it allows them to make adjustments. You know, Mike Zimmer's been their coach. They've been in the same system. And when you look at Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, 97. You see Harrison Smith, too. Daniil Hunter, 99. Anthony Barr, 55. And Kendricks, they've been playing together, I don't know, for five years, six years. That is very uncommon. Then when you stick Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes into the picture, they have incredible continuity on defense. They know where all the snakes are. I mean, if you, if you think you have them, they know where the problems are. They can quick to adjust. And they're very good tacklers, and it's going to be a very loud atmosphere. So it'll be a challenge for us, no doubt. John Gruden knows exactly all of the players on the Minnesota Vikings. He has done his research this week. That is one of my favorite moves from head coaches. You're like, well, uh, hey, Bill Belichick, what do you think of those uh, New York Jets? Uh, well, they got Luke Falk. They have uh, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell. Like, There's for like, sure a montage yes. built into this at the end of the season. The one time, my favorite Bill Belichick, one time he named a player who had not played for the Buffalo Bills for three years. And he was like, well, you <laughs> know, he's he's still pretty good out there. He might have been the same number, but he just had the completely wrong guy. Um, so, But we have, we have more important places to start the show. Myron Metcalf on for the first segment with me. Hi, Myron. How are you? How's it going, man? 
Uh, it's going really well, but there's just big news that we have to discuss right off the very top of the show. Okay, I'll get your thoughts on Jalen Ramsey, get your thoughts on Cousins this week, whether he could bounce back, but this is far more important. The Minnesota Vikings this week at U.S. Bank Stadium will not be allowed to have their dragon breathe fire before the game because the inept Tennessee Titans lit something on fire last week. So the NFL said, no pyrotechnics this week, no fire-breathing dragon. So Myron, this dragon, they're going to wheel it out there just for looks? It is not going to do anything. It's just going to sit there. It's terrible. Shouldn't even do that. I mean, it's ridiculous that... that this happened to Tennessee. Um, I think what a speaker caught on fire or something like that. Wasn't that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last week. No, it, it's ridiculous that the entire, no, it was just Mar- Marcus Mariota playing. That's all. It was. <laughs> but now, now everybody has to, it's the entire league, right? No one can use pyrotechnics while they investigate. Like what's there to investigate? I mean, they, you know, probably a couple guys messed it up. Now the whole league has to pay. I'm against that. I would go as far to say that the Dragon has been the most consistent Minnesota Viking over the last two years. Uh, Three years, actually, from from the very moment. Every game, same time, he comes out, he rolls out, his eyes light up. He's part of a ship, I believe, and then he shoots a fireball up in the air. We all breathe presumably toxic gases, and then we go on and play football. I mean, it's one of the key parts to their game intro is this thing potentially lighting a player on fire. And so not having it is going to be a huge disappointment for everyone. I mean, you know, we're just supposed to be up there eating our bacon and eggs before the game, Myron, but I'm going to miss that burst of heat and terror. (laughs) Yeah, well, and and I'm trying to figure out, how did you decide if you're the league that we you got to investigate everybody? Yeah, I mean, right. This happened yeah. at one stadium with one team. Like, why are they all together? Are they all using the same company, the same guy? <laughs> like, I don't think this makes it makes any sense that you're making this a league wide situation when this happened at one place. Tell Tennessee they can't do it. Like, right. tell them they don't deserve fire anyway. They right. don't deserve fireballs and any sort of pregame festivities. Fireballs are a privilege. You can lose it. (laughs) That's what it comes down to. If you finish below 500 last season, your fireball privileges are taken away. (laughs) That, that, That should be the rule. I would understand that. Uh, yeah, me too. That is going to be really legitimately disappointing for Vikings fans because it is by far the coolest part of their game intro. And I was walking by out of the media room today and they have a bunch of giant pictures of things, you know, with the Vikings related. So there's Stefan Diggs and the Minneapolis Miracle. There's also Fire Breathing Dragon. So RIP yep. to the Fire Breathing Dragon. We will miss you. And, uh, I, you know, so I was thinking, Myron, all week we've been talking about it. This is a perfect opponent to bounce back against you're at home it's not a great defense i don't even really know their cornerbacks except for the kid from clemson i kind of liked him at draft time for the vikings um but trayvon mullen but that's that's kind of it um but now that they don't have this burst of power and energy to start in the game intro i'm pretty concerned about whether they'll be able to get going right off the bat yeah i mean <laughs> you know this team they're uh they need all the hype man that they can and get I guess I guess for me here's the thing I trust the Vikings less in scenarios like this where it should be a lopsided win easy win move on get over what happened last weekend like I have more confidence in them would have more confidence in them going into a tougher game right this to me feels like one of those situations where yeah I, I think the Vikings have a, a, a pretty large margin for error should win this game I mean Derek Carr is the only hope they may have right in finding a way to win that game but. You, you still, I still see Buffalo Bills 2018 
forever with this team and just knowing that they're not disciplined enough to, to look ahead and get caught looking ahead. So they better take this seriously. Yeah, this is a hard one to figure out, Myron, because I was going through Kirk Cousins' career and over the last couple of years for the Vikings and trying to determine, okay, is this a team that is consistently under Mike Zimmer, bounce back from bad losses, or have they let them fester? And there's just really no rhyme or reason because, I mean, in part, there there aren't enough bad, bad losses over the last few years to really say there's the Buffalo game, and then the next week they go to Los Angeles. Actually, only a few days later, it was a Thursday night game, and the defense doesn't show but the offense is really spectacular that night and you know go back to 2016 a no show against Indianapolis then they no show again against Green Bay the next week but there were a lot of other things at play so you know I'm not sure how I can exactly determine whether this team has the leadership or the ability to battle through adversity or whatever it might be to bounce back quickly. But I tend to think with the defense that they have, Myron, that those guys have been doing this for so long now under Mike Zimmer, and Derek Carr is just not that great at football. And I'm not sure if John Gruden really knows what he's doing anymore. So if they don't, then I would start to look at this season and say this could really, really go sideways because the the next week you're going to Chicago. So this game, I don't look at it like a trap game. I look at it as this game is actually huge for them. Yeah. I mean, you got to get the momentum back. Um, you know, defense, last week was great for three quarters. You know, so I don't have questions on defense. To me, it's with the opportunities you're given on offense, what do you do with it? I guess my thing is what I wonder about when I heard that Kirk Cousins post-game press conference, I, I know a lot of people said he's being accountable, he, he's telling you he's being vulnerable, letting you know that, hey, it, it, it's on him. Like, I get all that. But for me, I'm like, is this a dude that trusts himself? Is mm-hmm. this a dude that trusts that he can actually make these plays and these kinds of games? Is he the kind of guy who is losing some confidence? I mean, I don't know how much confidence he had to begin with, but I certainly think that if there's one X factor in this game, it's that, you got a guy that now goes into this game against Oakland where the defense is a lot worse than what he saw last week, and now he's thinking, i got to be perfect. Everything has to be the perfect play, and now I'm hesitant. You know, not, now, now I'm, I'm worried. I'm second-guessing myself. That, to me, is the Kirk Cousins we can see and that you don't want to see. Uh, so that, to me, is my biggest question going into this game. So Judd has brought up something very similar on this, about just the way that he has acted sort of since the game at the podium, taking the blame for himself, and then saying the other day that if he continues to play like this, he won't be the quarterback anymore, which <laughs> uh, your contract says a little bit different there, Kirk. But, yeah. you know, he's a, he hasn't been since the moment he got here, and I think people in Washington, D.C. would feel the same way. Just kind of an enigma, like a very hard guy to put a finger on and say, Kirk is like X, Y, and Z. Because there will be times, and I'll use Philadelphia for an example last year, where this guy actually shows some pretty serious guts. And I know he made one mistake in that game where Rock Thomas didn't bring in a ball and it turned into a fumble and almost was costly. But I was going back to look at that game because they came off. Think about the stretch they came off last year. Green Bay tie where they missed the field goals. Buffalo no-show, one of the most awful losses by the Vegas line in NFL history. The Los Angeles Rams, he fumbles that game away. And you're thinking going into Philly, boy, this quarterback, I mean, he is just a mess right now, and he's he's wilting at every big situation. Goes into Philly, goes 30 for 37, 301 yards, a 109 quarterback rating. He was absolutely spectacular 
in that game. And he got hit a bunch of times. The offensive line wasn't very good. Philly was great. And, and he showed this level of toughness and resilience that you don't often see from him. So it, it exists, but when it's going to come out, I just really don't have a good feel for. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to search for that element for an $84 million quarterback. It better be there every Sunday. And I, I think that's the question, is what you just described. It's not there often enough, right? Like, we're, we're still trying to figure out if he can find that in consistent games, in a consistent stretch, four, five, six, seven games. Like, we're still saying that. And that, to me, is the, the concern. You go back to last week, that throw to Diggs was an all-pro throw, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's one of those throws that you go, okay, that, that's why this guy's playing at this level, and that is his ceiling. You go to the interception, the late interception, here is my theory on that. Great quarterbacks will make that mistake. Your Drew Breeses, your Tom Brady's. Those guys will still make those mistakes, but they'll make them, you know, they'll make the right decision nine out of ten times, right? I think the, the next tier of quarterbacks, uh, Russell Wilson, so to speak, uh, those guys are going to make those decisions maybe three out of ten times. Seventy percent of the time, I think they make the right decision. The next tier to me is where Kirk Cousins is, and that is a coin flip guy, where in that scenario where you need him to be great, consistently great and efficient and effective, you don't know if he's going to make the right play. Half the time he will, half the time he won't, and that's just not good enough. Um, so, so I just, I guess I'm tired of wondering where that element is uh, because it just has to be there. Like that shouldn't be a question for this team, but that's why I say I can see this team winning by three touchdowns on Sunday. I could also see Kirk Cousins coming out and going, all right, I feel more pressure, I'm tight, I'm not loose, and now he just sort of unravels in a game that they should win. Myron Metcalf, Matthew Collar here on Purple Daily. Yeah, Myron, you know, it's a good point that star quarterbacks do make that mistake all the time of trying to do too much. <clears throat> Brett Favre all the time, yeah. right, in his yeah. career. Yeah. You know, the, it, where I think the difference is, is the Vikings had one more drive after that. And Cousins looked like he had rattled himself so much that he overthrew a third down and seven where he could have still gone down and won that game. And it's very easy to forget because it feels like it was the last play of the game when he threw the pick. But the defense did their job again, shut down the Packers, gave the Vikings another shot, and then nothing happened again. And and I feel like the great quarterbacks right there would say, okay, you know what, I made that mistake and now I'm going to go make up for it. And Kirk Cousins even brought this up himself. He said, you know, last year in the AFC Championship game, Tom Brady threw a pick at the goal line. And I forgot about that because it was such a great game and Brady comes back and has one of the best games he's ever had and goes toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes that whole night. And, and, you know, it's just a memorable, great game. But I totally forgot that he made a horrendous mistake early in the game. And that's where we just don't see the same thing from Cousins. But, Myron, I, I do wonder, you brought up the contract. And it just every time this guy's name gets mentioned, $84 million goes along with it. And I wonder if we banned the words $84 million from the Kirk Cousins conversation and just talked about him as a quarterback, and what they need to do to win. Like, would it be different? Because I think for fans especially, that's what gets so agitating for them. Like, if this was if this was Case Keenum, because his name has come up a lot this week, and he makes that same mistake, and he's getting paid $3.5 million, which I think is what he's getting in Washington, I think people would be looking yeah. at it like, well, you know what, this is this, is this guy, right? He's... He's up and he's down, but that contract seems to have added an extra layer of fan rage to everything that Kirk Cousins does. 
Yeah, by the way, I don't know if Case Keenum's throwing a pick this year. Uh, check his stats. Uh, he's, even though they're losing, he actually, I think, has played okay. Uh, I don't think, see, I don't think, Kyle, I don't think it's 84 million. I think it's 84 million guaranteed. Like, it's, 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 you're on this flight for the next three years, whether you like it or not. You, you, you can't get off this plane. And I think that to me is what gets people is the 84 million guarantee. That to me is the thing that makes people go, this is it. You're coming off an NFC championship game run. Okay. Mike Zimmer tells you this is the guy. Three years is the window. It's supposed to be the window. So I think that's what gets fans is if you tell me we're going to go from NFC championship game to an upgraded quarterback, spend $84 million guaranteed. This is our guy for three years. You don't want to start off with a season not in the playoffs and then game two against your rival. You're watching this guy make the kinds of plays that you assumed uh, a guy like that wouldn't make in that situation. It can happen to anyone, but I think it, it happens too often with Kurt just not making the right play when I know he's capable of doing that but not consistently making that. So I, I think it's the guarantee and knowing that you're on this train whether you like it or not. Um, that to me is the thing that gets fans. So do you think it's fair or unfair to start bringing up Case Keenum's name more often and say, well, maybe you should have stuck with him? I think it's very fair because the, the question will always be, I think, Kyle, right? How much more are you getting with Kirk Cousins, right? Like, like how much more? And then can you attach a value to that? Uh, I think that will be the ongoing conversation. Now, Case Keenum in Denver wasn't all that, obviously. I, I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback overall, has the higher ceiling. But, you know, I think the expectation was you're getting a guy who is above and beyond, and there's just no conversation to be had. But I, but I think that shadow will always linger for some fans simply because you don't know. You know, you upgraded the car. You got a new car, right? Go to the dealer. Uh, you're paying an extra $30,000 compared to the car you own. You wanted to have something special to be completely different than the car you were driving before this, and it's pretty much the same experience. You go, well, wait a minute, maybe I paid too much, and I think that's how a lot of people feel. Yeah, that's a great comparison, and that's exactly how cars are. Also, like my yes, my not so expensive car versus the very expensive cars probably not super different, especially since it's Minnesota and people refuse to go over the speed limit. My gosh, people, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> like. There aren't helicopters over us. It's all right. Like, we can go 62 and a 55 in the left lane. Uh, what were we talking about? I just. Speeding. No, you should speed. You're right. I you mean, should I speed is what I'm saying. Right? It's like, I think he, people should speed. My guess is even the cops are like, come on, people. Yeah. Like, it's okay. What's the limit, we're not you think? Pull you over. What is it, 10, 10 over? I would 10 say, over? I think you got to go even faster than that. I think if you're going in a 55, you're going 65, you're probably all right. You get to 68. 70, okay, all right, now you're in trouble. But I think you can yeah. reasonably That's do 65. If yeah. If you're a brother and you're listening, you better stay to 62. Well, I was going to say, the, there are different yeah. rules, from my yeah. understanding. Yeah. Uh, but that's yeah. another talk show, I think. <laughs> so <laughs> let's uh, let's move quickly, Myron. Uh, to was that awkward? Did that make you feel a little awkward there, it, Colin? Was that a little, a little bit? See, I, I like having those conversations, but okay. I'm not yeah, sure that other people want me to be having those conversations. Yeah. So that's why I move along. Um, <laughs> and, anyway, so 
The Jalen Ramsey, I'm going to call it uh, rumors, I guess. I mean, Josina Anderson puts it out there that the Vikings are among the teams to make the phone call and put together offers for Jalen Ramsey. So not just checking in, but really saying, oh, hey, what you got there? A really amazing corner? I'm shocked Mike Zimmer made a phone call. Um, but, yeah. uh, well, what's, what's your thought on, A, is it a good idea? B, odds that it would actually happen? Yeah, I don't... I mean, to me, what are you willing to give up to get him? But I, I think the biggest thing with Jalen Ramsey is he's going to want a new deal. Like, that's his whole thing, right? Yep. So um, I think the question becomes, is he a 14-game rental uh, or is he a long-term guy? And to me, if you're Minnesota and you don't give up too much uh, and you can get him for you know 13 games, whatever it's going to be, you do it. You know, you do it. And um, I think all these teams have some leverage because the Jags know he doesn't want to play. Uh, they know he's not going to sign long term. So what can they really do? But I think if you can get Jalen Ramsey, uh, especially with the challenges they've had at cornerback and the injuries, you, you do it. Uh, definitely. The chances of it happening. I mean, I saw all the other teams that are going after him. I, feels 50 50. I mean, I don't know that those teams have a significant advantage over over Minnesota and I don't know I also don't know what kind of say he'll have over where he goes you know I don't know um what's involved there but he'd be a huge addition right yeah what kind of um what kind of sense of humor do they have like would they do the same thing that Pittsburgh did to be like uh we're trading you AB to (laughs) Oakland they first tried Buffalo Which actually, Buffalo's looked pretty good to start the season. But then they're like, okay, what's funnier than Buffalo? Oakland. Um, yeah, Oakland, yeah. But it, at very least, if you're the Jaguars, the Vikings can offer you something, I think, unique from what other teams can, which is they can trade you a pretty good corner. If they were, uh, the scenario that I was thinking about, Myron, was Trey Wayans, who might not re sign yeah. here himself, and then a first round pick. I mean, if you're Jacks, if I was Jacksonville and if I was Minnesota, I would take that both ways. I, I mean, that's what you're usually looking for is some sort of fair deal. But Jacksonville, also, you look at the AFC South, they have to be going, nah, sorry, not we're not trading anything. This division's a mess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it's weird. They got a lot of problems in Jacksonville now with Foles going out. Um, but to, to me, if you get Jalen Ramsey, you commit to him long term, that becomes the question. Like the attitude stuff, none of that stuff bothers me. Like I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's just brash, right? Mm-hmm. And he says what he feels. And listen, man, you get in some millennial space in today's society. I don't care if you're playing the NFL or if you're at your nine to five job. Like that's not going to go with you know. So you know, to me, the confrontation on the sideline was more about you know. I don't think you should approach any player that way. Yeah, and get in his face in the middle of a game like like you're his parent or something like that. But I think he'd be a huge addition. I love that trade. Um, and, again, this is the window. If you're Mike Zimmer, you do what you can. But first-round pick is only to me if you know you're going to have him long-term, you're willing to sign him long-term, and he's going to be a staple of this team going forward. Would you like to attempt to pick the score of Sunday's sports contest between the Vikings and Raiders, Myron? That's Man, that's hard. What's the line right now? I don't Vegas? know. I have no idea. Should- These- should be double digits. At least, I don't right? even understand how Vegas lines work or what they mean. Uh, someone will be like, "Oh, that team's minus two fifty. I'll be like, "Well, that sounds like a number." <laughs> <laughs> you got to get into it, man. I mean, that, that's the new thing. I, my guess is they're a double digit um, favorite. I, I'll go ahead and say, 
31-17. Okay. That's that's my guess. Vikings win 31-17. You, you and I are very much in the same ballpark. I'll just say it now, and I won't wait till the end of the show. I, yeah, I'm in the same ballpark. I, I was thinking... 28 to 13 Vikings. I mean, this, even yeah. though we've talked about how this has the potential to be really, really bad, uh, what are the odds that it actually is with the Raiders coming here? Uh, I don't think super high, especially in this building. If they were going to Oakland, uh, maybe I, I would say it's minus uh, nine and a half. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, that, that, that means that I, we need a gambling if, show. Well, essentially, if, if the Jags lose by less than nine less than 10 you know then they cover they went so if you bet on the jags and let's say the score is 28 23 you win the money oh okay that, that's right. it yeah that that's makes how, sense that's how it works all right yeah thanks Vikings for by 10 I'm, or more for if you bet on the vikings to get the money gotcha yeah i have uh, been doing this for a decade and i've never understood any of it when it comes to the gambling thing so i'm glad i know now thank you myron uh, appreciate your time we'll talk well, to you next friday appreciate it all right, man. Sounds Thanks good. For having me. Myron Metcalf, ESPN, joins us every single Friday in some capacity or another. Sometimes it's on Skype, sometimes on the phone. I have seen Myron. I've met him. He exists. He's real. He's real. Yeah. He's, he's not only just uh, traveling around writing college basketball, and also every Sunday on ESPN Radio, he does the uh, previewing of all the games. So leading up to the start of NFL action, Myron is on ESPN Radio. So he's a very busy man these days. All right. We literally are going to travel to Great Britain when we return. Peter Carline, who writes for the Daily Mail, wrote an article about Kirk Cousins, and Peter is a huge Vikings fan. So uh, we will discuss the recent events with Peter when we return. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. All right, welcome back into Purple Daily. A special guest joining me now on the line from across the pond. He writes for the Daily Mail and also is a tortured Minnesota Vikings fan, Peter Carline. What is going on, Peter? Well, it's Friday afternoon, and I'm uh, I'm counting down for 48 hours until another nerve-wracking Vikings game, which hopefully <laughs> will end up in a victory. But after week three of last season against a supposedly inferior op- opponent, who knows? <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, you are right. And one thing that I like uh, always about talking with you, Peter, is that um, even though you are not from America, you just strike the exact right Minnesota Viking fan tone. Like that right there was the perfect Minnesota Viking fan response of like, ah, boy, this uh, this has um, some earmarks of, of potentially being ugly this Sunday. But I, I want to talk with you because you wrote um, an article for the Daily Mail about Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. And it's a topic that we haven't really discussed a whole lot. And I think it's really interesting about the fact that Mike Zimmer has not gone all in on Kirk Cousins when it comes to criticism, even though he's done that for a lot of his players in the past, including Case Keenum. So tell me what you think. Do you think at some point Mike Zimmer does blow his top if Kirk Cousins has more of these games? If he carries on like he he does. Okay, I, I left a few things out of that article. I know that Zimmer's future is intertwined with that of Kirk Cousins. So perhaps, and you know, calling out your starting quarterback is not perhaps the most savvy move, but you look at Mike Zimmer and sometimes he's just unable to help himself. Mm -hmm. And when you watch Kirk Cousins, as, as you do, he's infuriating. And I just think that if he carries on like he does, and particularly in, in those big games, those games where you think, God, the Vikings can just win this game, you know, God, they can... You know, it's, well, you never know. We could go 11, 11 and 5, 12 and 4, or what have you. But when he, as he keeps costing them in the red zone, in big games, in big situations, you just kind of think, you know, Zim, Zim has said to himself, what did he say after the game? You know, well, you know we, we, we're, we're coaching the heck out of him. I mean, well, good luck with that. I just kind of think, <laughs> is he going to reach the point where he's going to be, look, I've tried everything. Is the only thing that I can do is to give him a, a kick up the arse in public? Because you can... I, I, I can I can only imagine what he says to him in private, but in public, it would just be, how would Kirk Cousins handle that as well, is, is the follow-up issue. Because he's, he's very good, you know, on the Monday of taking the blame. Well, most of the time he's very good at taking the blame, isn't he? So, oh, you know, I've got to do better. I got, But I'm, I'm sick of hearing I've got to do better. I want you to do better, Kirk, you know. Right, right. Fact, now, now, last year, Peter, there was a time where Mike Zimmer revealed that he had gone to Kirk Cousins and said, look, I really need you to stop turning the ball over because everyone's job is on the line. So if you could just do me a solid, stop fumbling. Um, and, and, you know, the interesting part about that was that throughout last year, after he said that, Cousins became less aggressive, which actually I think hurt him at times in certain games where he ate the ball uh, and then fumbled anyway because he was trying to not throw an interception. And so it seems like... Kirk Cousins has all this talent and he could throw a great ball downfield and I've watched him in training camp now for two years and been very, very impressed with how he throws the ball and operates an offense in practice but there are times where you just think every single thing in the entire world gets inside this guy's head and it's a fascinating case because usually we're focused on data, analytics and things like that but Cousins is the ultimate kind of intangibles quarterback to analyze. Yeah, and you mentioned it earlier this week, didn't you, without Alex Boone, the amount that he, he pats the ball. Yeah. And <laughs> he's so, I don't know, he strikes me as quite an, an a quarterback that's quite easy to hit as well. He's quite easy to read in many ways. And you just have to apply a certain amount of pressure to him and he's going to make a mistake. And he doesn't seem to learn from his mistakes. And... You know, this is not re-signing Case Keenum for 18 million. This is what we got 30 more games of this minimum. Right. Let's hope right. more. Let's hope there's more. Let's hope you know it's 37. But. <laughs> 
Talking with uh, Peter Carline, he writes football for the Daily Mail, clearly in the UK, if you could not pick up on that already, and uh, wrote a good piece, How Long Will Mike Zimmer Bite His Tongue on Kirk Cousins? So what's the solution, Peter? We've been trying to figure out all week, as you have listened to on the Purple Daily Show via the podcast or stream, right? I mean, we've we've been talking about this, what do you do here? And with a lack of a great offensive line for the I-don't-know-how-manyth year in a row, it seems like it really falls on the shoulders of Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak to figure out ways to get the ball out of his hands quick, to reduce the amount of thinking that he has to do, and get the ball in the hands of playmakers and not have to rely entirely on the run game because at some point, Peter, somebody's going to shut down the run game, and then how do you even respond to that? Because the only reason the Vikings were in that Packers game is because of Delvin Cook. Yeah, um, the... <laughs> The answer is, yeah, I, I don't even know what the answer is. Um, the answer is we're, we're in a, we're in a tight spot. I, I, I think, you know, let's hope we beat the Raiders. I mean, then we go to Chicago. So unfortunately that's a loss. But I mean, the only, the only thing that we can hope for is, um, that the Packers aren't as good as we thought they are mm-hmm. or, or they look and, and they're not, you know, they, we did hold them for 21 points, you know, at Lambeau Field. That 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 is a positive. Um, we, I mean, the interesting thing for me is the Bears. They are coming to London in Week Five to play the Oakland Raiders, and th- there's no correlation to success to when teams arrive in London. But the Raiders are arriving on the Monday morning. Now, hopefully, this will be to acclimatise and get used to, you know conditions and jet lag. And, and the Bears are flying in on the Friday morning. So that that is more often than not the norm nowadays i think it's crazy and but when a trip to london is it, it it's a funny thing it can not derail a season but it can certainly put a dent in the season mm-hmm. so let's hope for that one as well <laughs> well uh, well no, but you <laughs> i think lions, lions, but, so. <laughs> but i think you bring up the right point about i mean if you're the person and i haven't sensed peter that there have been very few um, people like this, that that there haven't been very many Vikings fans who are tweeting me saying, relax, it's only week two. Uh, most people are freaking out, as you would expect, after that loss. Mm-hmm. But if you are making the case that we should calm down a little bit, is that if you beat the Raiders and then you go to Chicago, and Chicago looks like it's really struggling in Mitch Trubisky year three to make him look good, um, as Matt Nagy was able to do last year, that some of those tricks are not working anymore. And that Green Bay team, they got up early but did not look like a juggernaut past that. I mean, I think there is an argument to be made that this could be one of those divisions that gets won by someone who goes 9-7. and seven. I think that's your best argument to maybe take it down a notch with frustration over what happened last week. And, and you've got to hope that the, the team stays together, as, as it has done, you know, pretty much under Zimmer. You know, there doesn't seem to be a, an Antonio Brown on the team, shall we say. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, and let's hope that the running game still keeps going. And, and, and obviously you've got that defense that if it, if it comes up against a Derek Carr, or if it comes up a Trubisky, then you know they they can they can get some turnovers. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's it's basically us relying on the defense again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, right. And and so that's what I was going to ask you is whether you think that this can actually work. I mean, when you're talking about. 
paying a quarterback as much as they did and asking that quarterback to be basically what Case Keenum was in 2017. Case Keenum was a backup who was asked to just come in and kind of manage the game and every once in a while hit something uh, you know, downfield. I mean, I think a lot of people decided after last week, and I'm judging this by Twitter, that if even if they spent the entire offseason – um, you know, d- sort of debating and saying that it wasn't Kirk Cousins' fault last year and so on and so forth, that they came around in this Packers game to say, okay, you know what? The guy isn't going to change. There is only so many players you could put around him. you got two elite wide receivers, and he can't always get them the ball. Stephon Diggs has three catches through two weeks. I, I mean, I-, I think that the frustration is mounting with Kirk Cousins to the point where even the fan base is looking at it like, can you just be a game manager? And what a weird place to be in for this organization who spent all this money on him. Yeah, and and the other thing, I mean, it's very difficult to to not hark back to that year because the thing about Keenum is he's a great guy. He's a really likable chap, you know, and, and he could, he was also very mobile and he was a fighter as well. I just don't see any of those things in Cousins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know you don't root for him. You just, he talks and you just oh my god, you know you're just a robot. Just at least say something interesting. You know at least Keenan was a fighter and a, and when he was on the field he gave you a chance. And you know he, he's the mini Amplas miracle man, isn't he? With cousins, it's like okay, yes, he is capable of good throws. But my heavens, he's capable of some baffling plays, baffling plays, and and and. You know, we're not talking about someone in the second or third year. He is, what, an eight-year professional. These things could have been ironed out. I think to myself sometimes, Peter, I don't know if I've ever seen someone so consistently let you down in big situations mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there have been, usually we debate over this stuff. Remember at one point in our lives, um, Peyton Manning was a choker and then it was like, mm-hmm. okay, now he's not because he was way too talented to continue to lose big games in the playoffs that he eventually was going to overcome that. And he wins two Super Bowls, And now no one will ever bring up the fact that he was being called a choker. Uh, so usually these kind of things even themselves out when the guy has talent. And like you said, eight years in, it just doesn't seem to be evening itself out. And when I look at the schedule, Peter, I see so many opportunities where if he doesn't blow up this narrative, I mean, if he doesn't start showing up in these big games, this could be a really ugly season. Mm-hmm. I mean, are there positives? Are there encouraging signs? You know, can, can he come back, beat the Raiders, beat the Bears? Beat the giant Giants, beat the Eagles, beat the you know. <laughs> Could we go six and one? Yeah, I, I, well, he's going to have every opportunity to prove us wrong. Then we got Washington. You know, I, I guess it comes down to Chicago. When was the last time we won there? Uh, that would three, be 2017. Yeah, when uh, yeah. Keenum came in after Sam Bradford got hurt, and then of course he did the, the, the injury. Yeah, the, the magical year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that. that we're looking ahead of Sunday, which is dangerous, of course. Let's let's get the Raiders out of the way. But if if you can go in there and you can win in Chicago, then okay, let's let's give him a chance, shall we? But I just think that if you like, you say the the traits are there, and I just see Zimmer losing it. Yeah, like you, our jo- my job is on the line. Spielman's job is on the line. You know. I actually wanted to bring that back to something you said to kind of start the conversation about people's jobs being on the line. And I I wonder what you think of this, because if if Zimmer has done his job on the defensive side and they're great again, which they look like they are, 
uh, if not number one, that they're going to be a top five defense. And you know they're going to dominate at U.S. Bank Stadium and so on and so forth. So if they're good (laughs) and the offense, once again, is the shortcoming, and once again it points to key turnovers and everything else with Kirk Cousins, I mean, if you're making this decision whether to keep him going forward or not, I think it's very, very hard to say, well, you went 8-8, eight and eight, so see ya, even though your defense did the same thing it's done every year, which has been top five. It's like we hired you to be the defensive guy, and that's everything you've been the entire time you've been here, but we're going to fire you because we made the wrong quarterback decision. You know what I mean? And, and the other thing is, I mean, I'd, I'd love to have been in the draw, in the, in the war room for the draw. <laughs> You know, they picked Garrett Bradbury and they picked Irv Smith. I bet Zimmer was just thinking, my God, we could have had that DT. We could have had that cornerback. Why are we doing, you know, he clearly just does not like offense. He doesn't, <laughs> but they brought in Kubiak, right? They've given Cousins every opportunity. This is, this is what you need. You haven't, you know, uh, you haven't got a Jordan Reed type tight end, but you've got two, you know, very serviceable ones. You've got arguably the top receiver tandem. All right. The offensive line isn't great, but you know, you've got Dalvin Cook. Really, there's not much more we can give you here. A first-round center as well. This is this is over to you, mate. Right. So I guess you're saying that you would look at it as um, what else is Mike Zimmer supposed to do? I mean, they were they were they were they had their, their they had their hands tied, didn't they? After the the magical season. I mean, a lot of people there, there was the argument to keep Keenum and draft, and obviously with hindsight, that's looking like the best option. But Cousins was kind of the. He was the kind of best option out there, wasn't he? If you were going to, and and he he played the market brilliantly, you know he he looked after himself. <laughs> I don't think there are going to be too many more guaranteed quarterback contracts, do you? In the NFL, <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I mean, I think anybody who's probably a little bit better or in the same ballpark will probably still get them, and some teams will still end up putting themselves in the same conundrum as the Vikings have. Uh, I, I I do want to ask you, you Peter. Uh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. How much do you think Spielman was burned by Ponder as well? Oh, yeah. Well, I know, right? I mean, that's the thing, and that's the criticism that keeps popping up is, well, can this team, if they stick with the same general manager, the same coach, how are they going to find the future franchise quarterback if this doesn't work out? And I know that that is very much like looking down the line, but I think when your quarterback plays like he has through these first 17, 18 games of his Vikings career, you have to start asking these questions, right? But he had the same record in Washington. I just think that there's, they they can obviously draft well on defense, but can they draft that well on offense? Apart from Stefan Diggs, Delvin Cook, right? Yeah, um, but yeah, for, but, fair enough. O'Neill's okay, but you know, look at Spielman throughout. You know, Laquan Treadwell, right? Cordarrelle Patterson, first round picks. It's absolutely a question, especially if these first two picks don't perform better than they have over the first two weeks. Uh, let me ask you before we, we wrap up here, um, Peter, just what, what, what has been sort of your, your big picture um, observation from your seat on the way that games have been called this year? Because a lot of us are talking about how miserable it has been with all the holding penalties and, and everything else. I mean, have you felt the same way? Have you felt the same Absolutely. frustration trying to watch games when they just seem so, I, guess, I don't know, I guess yeah. slow I mean, and just uh, tedious? We have a similar thing over here in the Premier League with VAR, which is the video system. And let, let's just hope that they didn't use it. You know, pre-season wasn't used properly and it's just they're going to iron it out and everything will be OK. But, you know, if Tom Brady's switching off and saying, I've had enough and I can't watch this game, 
you, you let's just hope that you know they'll they'll sort it out but absolutely it's it's tedious yeah it is it has been a miserable experience so uh all right before i let you go peter great stuff as always i'm happy to talk with you um how you think this, how do you think what? this plays out with the vikings what's your prediction God, I knew you were going to ask that. Well, uh, you know, we only talk every once in a while. You're busy doing things that people do in England. <sighs> Optimist, 11 and 5. More realist, 5 and 11. 5 and 11. Wow. Okay, that's, that, that would really be something. This that is going... Explosion. You know, yeah, this this could go... No, come on. Let's Let's be... Ten and six. There you go. Come on, I'll be positive. Yeah. I, well, I still think that you know, even though things have gone the way they have here uh, on offense, that they will be much better. But you know, that one scenario is kind of what happened to the Jaguars last year, as uh, they had a tough schedule and the offense fell apart and the defense wasn't quite as good. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you're five and eleven, six and ten, seven and nine. So uh, there's a we- lot resting on Sunday's game. Win that. And things are looking up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you can follow him at Peter Carline, C-A-R-L-I-N-E. And if you forget it, just think of the most British name ever. Like, what is the most <laughs> British name? Peter Carline. That's a very British name. So uh, does great work. Um, glad I could see you a couple years ago at the Super Bowl. Hopefully you make it to America again. And enjoy your uh, Chicago Bears, Oakland Raiders. I'm sure, I'm sure the... The, the great people of uh, London couldn't wait to get the two quarterbacks. Uh, let me check. Mitch Trubisky and Derek Carr. So Derek, well, enjoy well, that we, in your country. I have Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, so get that. An injured Newton <laughs> as well. Right. Brilliant. Yeah, maybe Kyle Allen or Will Greer at some point uh, over there instead. So, well, follow him <laughs> and read his work. Uh, a, an interesting column, How Long Will Mike Zimmer Bite His Tongue on Kirk Cousins? And uh, make sure you check that out. Peter? Great to talk with you again. Um, Thank you. We will take a quick break. We'll come right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit Federated FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Time for the Score North Download. This download brought to you by Modest Brewing Company. Before we get to what this download is about, you can join Dan Terra, Kindred St. Alvin, Jamie Watson, and myself this Sunday afternoon as Minnesota United travels out west to take on Portland Timbers with pregame at 2.30 and the kickoff at 3 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com. And the free Score North mobile app. You heard it in the first segment. Caller and Myron gave their predictions for the score on Sunday between the Vikings and the Raiders. So, Vikings fans, with our final Purple Daily of the week, let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter, what your prediction is for the Vikings Raiders game this weekend over at U.S. Bank Stadium. If you are going to a Twins game, check out Modest Brewing Company, located only two blocks from Target Field Station. Modest is known for serving a wide variety of one of a kind, one of a kind super drinkable craft beers. For their full menu of craft beers, go to ModestBrewingCompany.com. That's your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily today. Thank you, Jonathan. We have just a couple minutes here after a fun conversation with Peter Carline. If you missed um, the big breaking news about the Vikings this week, I can bring it to you right now. It's that there's no pyrotechnics today 
Disappointing. It really is. I mean, I love that part of it. You can feel the heat in the press box. I like your description of it. Probably breathing in somewhat toxic chemicals. There's no doubt about that, but it's worth (laughs) it uh, for everyone in the building. I mean, it just is so funny. It's like Tennessee, they can't get anything together. When's the last time Tennessee was worth a damn? I mean, really. They set a speaker on fire. How do you set a speaker? I don't know. Tennessee. Like, we... Here's how pathetic Tennessee is. When someone says, who are the saddest organizations in football? You're like, well, Miami's pretty bad. Browns still, I don't trust them. Jets, what a joke. You don't even remember Tennessee exists. Yeah. You don't even get there. Like, you don't they, remember that their owner one time flicked off his own fans. That was great. <laughs> um, you like you really don't even remember that they're around until Thursday night football, and you go, oh, no. And it's always <laughs> against the Jaguars, too. Every time. So Tennessee, of course, they lit a speaker on fire and got Marcus <laughs> Mariota sacked like 600 times last night in the worst football game ever. Uh, so... They, they now everyone gets punished because of Tennessee. That doesn't make sense. I Come on, it. I don't get it. Uh, so we'll, we got a couple of minutes, uh, a good slate of football games this weekend. So I want to just run through a couple of them. So ramp up music, talk, uh, tell me games, and let's talk about them for a minute here before Judd Zolgad comes in. I think the one everybody's most excited about: Kansas City, Baltimore. Just those two quarterbacks going against each other. You got Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. That's going to be a fun one to watch from an offensive standpoint. Doesn't it feel like Lamar Jackson has an opportunity this week to be like, yeah, what you saw those first two weeks, I know there were bad teams. It's for absolutely real. And can you imagine the turbo snark for me, Jonathan? Oh, for sure. If Lamar Jackson just goes toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, I may explode. Is this a precursor for... A speaker might catch on fire. (laughs) In there, from me being so snarky wow. about Lamar Jackson. 32nd pick? Is this okay. a precursor for the next 15 years of great AFC quarterback competition? Like we had Brady Manning, now we have Jackson Mahomes? It, it might be. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm, I, I'm like, wanting to be hesitant on Jackson because right. it is Arizona and it is Miami. So teams are still going to make their adjustments. But he's dropped some straight-up dimes in the first couple weeks. And this was He looks like a different quarterback this year, too. What's what's irritating is that last year he's trying to play in an offense. It's not really designed for him, but they're trying to just, like, tweak what they had so he can Mm -hmm. run the ball and and everything else. He's a rookie. We've seen lots of rookies struggle. And instead of struggling, he took his team to the playoffs. Usually rookies are trash, even if they're good quarterbacks. He took his team to the playoffs, and everyone's like, I don't know. I don't know if he can still play. It's like... (laughs) Yeah, this guy, this dude wins. Like his Louisville teams were trash. He had, I believe, of all those quarterbacks, the most drops by his wide receivers of anyone, and still put up great passing numbers to go along with his rushing numbers. And yet he couldn't get picked over Josh Allen. Okay, uh, so the Turbo Snark will really be all in. But that one, I'm a little annoyed that Minnesota Oakland is at the same time as Baltimore Kansas yeah. City because I can't watch it. Another game at that same time, Atlanta-Indianapolis. This is a chance now that Drew Brees is out for the next six to eight weeks because of the hand surgery that he had. This is the time for Atlanta to step up and kind of take control of that division. Can they do it against an Indianapolis side that's going to be, or that's still trying to fight off the Andrew Luck retirement? That goes for the incredible level of overreactions that happen after week one because you would have thought Atlanta should just take down their $2 billion stadium after that. Like, just, all right, just (laughs) ship this somewhere else. Move the team to Vegas. This is awful. Matt Ryan's dusted. They can't play anymore. And then they come out and get a huge win. And it really shows you, too, 
Is it, where is that game? Is that game at home for Atlanta? That is at home for Indianapolis. Okay, well, so that, that, that might be a little tougher then. I, I think even Jacoby Brissett makes Indianapolis an interesting team because they have a lot of weapons. Marlon Mack is a really good running back. Um, I, I'm interested if Atlanta can go on the road at all because they've been like this for a while where mm-hmm. at home they're great, on the road very shoddy. Uh, the next one, it seems like a weird choice here. Carolina, Arizona. Is this the first time Kyler Murray's going to be favorited? In a match um, because probably. Cam Newton's going to be out because of the injury, so they're going to be starting some rando. Yeah. And Kyler Murray's coming in two losses for or a loss and a tie for Arizona. Is this the first sure time was. he's going to be a favorite? <laughs> what a bad football game! <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so maybe, but um, with Murray, he has really made some throws, mm-hmm. and it just now he was the number one overall pick. But there was always the, well, is he too small and everything else? Are we done with that now? Are we done with the, I don't know if you could trust running quarterbacks? Like, he played in a spread offense whilst Mahomes did too. And so did yeah. Baker Mayfield. And they look like good NFL quarterbacks. So did quarterbacks. just about every quarterback that's coming out of college now. Okay, I want the last one to be New Orleans and Seattle. So That's I what it was going to be. So I could say this. Here's <laughs> what I want to say. I'm just going to put this out here. Look, before you tweet me, mm-hmm. just remember... I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is going to be good anymore. He yep. has not played as a starting quarterback since 2015. I don't know if his knee will work the same way it used to. I don't know if he'll be a franchise quarterback. I have no idea. Just like you have no idea either. Seattle's a really tough place to play. I'd probably bet on Seattle for this game. But I just can't wait for Teddy Bridgewater to have like an okay or not great game and they lose by a touchdown and I get a flood of tweets, ah, I guess your boy sucks. Like, look, no one knows how this is going to go. Vikings fans were completely justified. Everyone in their locker room, the coaches, everyone who saw him as a franchise quarterback in Minnesota was mm-hmm. right. They, they Right? That's what yeah. he was. So this and, could be a Monday just full of turbo snark for you depending on how some games go for That's you. what I was going to say. But if he throws for three touchdowns and wins, then <laughs> ha! But no, I, I'm in, in, all, in all seriousness, though, I have no idea how this is going to work out. I'm really fascinated to watch mm-hmm. that game. Hopefully it's on in the press box while I'm working after the uh, Vikings game so I can see it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm really fascinated to see how Bridgewater, with a full week to prepare as the starting quarterback, goes into one of the toughest places to win. And coincidentally, against Seattle, right. the team that beat him on a missed field goal in the playoffs. I mean, I think it's a really must-watch game to see if New Orleans is going to stick around with Drew Brees out because it looks like it's going to be for quite some time. So, all right, good stuff, Jonathan. Judd Zolgad comes in next. We continue to preview Raiders and Vikings. We'll take a look at the injury report. Is there anything uh, anything interesting? There could be one player coming back who makes an impact. That's when we return on Purple Daily. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> Obviously, he's been in this system for a long time under Zim and then with Gunther there the last few years in Cincinnati. And, um, you know, you can tell you watch 18 film and then you watch 19 film. Uh, he's the guy getting all those other guys on defense lined up. You know, I guarantee you all spring it was the defensive coordinator and Vontez that were teaching that defense to the other 10 guys because he's played in it for so long. That was Minnesota Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph, Matthew Collar, now Judd Zolgad. Uh, 
enters the fray, and I got a few things to go over with you, Zolgad. Okay. But I've got a request. Yeah. So we had Peter Carline on earlier, and he is uh, clearly from England. It does not take very long to figure out that he is from England when you talk with him, a football writer over there. And uh, it's been suggested because Peter is a big Vikings fan, and he was in freakout mode a little bit, <laughs> but in British freakout mode, which is different from oh, yeah. Judd Zulgadian American yelling freakout mode. Yes. So it's been suggested that when you panic, you should do so in a British accent in order to calm yourself down. Hmm. Okay, that's very interesting. So, Go ahead. Let's see here. Well, first of all, I've got to affect the accent accurately, which is a certain keywords. And catchphrases. He, he called Cousins a chap at some point. Oh or no, a Keenum. Sound like a chap? Yeah, he called Keenum a Keenum chap. a chap? Yeah, I think so. Let me work on, on okay. this and get all back right. to you, okay? Because yeah, right. I'm not even sure I've got <laughs> the ability. See, see that that's a tough ask because clearly that accent, it's very, you know, th- those people are, they sound calm. I mean, do you They're think not that calm, you've got to get it calm. right? What's that? Do you think you have to get it right? Well, I think like, I have to have the right tenor and tone to it because if it's just an american trying to affect a british accent i'm still going to sound see yeah they've got a way of sounding calm when they're not calm that's really impressive yeah i agree with that uh okay well there's your homework for the weekend all right i'll work on it expect by the end of sunday's game that you have perfected in fact you know what i might break it out on the purple podcast okay perfect when we do the purple podcast Uh, i will try and do it in my best uh british accent that is a good reminder that we do a podcast version of the show right after in the press box after games and so you can go and listen to that it is on itunes spotify and uh if you have the app as well i'm told that many human beings are downloading this very free app so um you should do that go to score north glad human beings are doing that yes they are that's glad what, the humans. That, that's what we learned today in a company meeting. That people mm-hmm. are indeed downloading the app. So it's great, and you should go do that. Now, let's talk about football. All right. Um, Mike Hughes is questionable. How much do you think Mike Hughes will play if he is active on Sunday? Uh, well, knowing Mike, Mike will try and probably play him a lot. The uh, training, the athletic training staff, I will correct myself, will say you can't play him a ton. Uh, oh, boy. So I don't think he'll play. I think he'll play in nickel. But I would be very surprised if he played full-time, so Curse could play as well. My guess is if you, percentage of snaps, maybe a quarter. Yeah. I That's could, fair? Yeah. I think... Because Curse can play. Curse has turned into a nice player. He's a very good player, but he's a little bit outgunned a little bit when sure. it comes to uh, wide receivers who have great speed. Mm-hmm. I mean, Curse is six foot four. He's not like a shutdown corner or something he's supposed to be a safety and he plays this big nickel position he's very good at zone coverage he's quick he can tackle really really well has great instincts for the game but this guy when the Devontae adams went out on him i mean it was just totally unfair he's not going to be able to shut down a number three much less a number one wide receiver who gets put in the slot right so if the raiders are running a lot of three receivers which i would if i were them i'd be running three and four receivers against the team that's a little short do they have four capable no, ones to run at this no, point no they don't um that's the problem no that's the problem but but i could see i could see them trying to run out several wide receivers in just an attempt to get that nickel a little bit of a mismatch there if they can. So if Mike Hughes is healthy enough to play, which again, he's questionable, so we won't know until right before the game if he's actually going to play. 
But if he does, I think that's an advantage for the Vikings to get him out there and at least have a guy who's a real cornerback. Mm -hmm. And Mike Zimmer said he's been practicing for weeks now. I don't expect him to be amazing right away, but if he's just an NFL cornerback and then he can continue to improve, that's going to be an upgrade over someone who's supposed to be a safety trying to fill in at that position. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, I'd say a quarter of the... uh, the snaps in nickel for Mike Hughes, the, the rest to curse, and the poor kid that they try to play against the Packers can not play. So we were talking today about... I felt bad for him, by the way. Uh, Nate Metters. Yeah, Nate Metters. I felt bad for Nate Metters. We, we were talking today about... That um, was like you being called from the press box. Come on, Collar, you watch a lot of football, did, just try this. It didn't this. go well. It did not go well. Just try this me. play. But it's only so, Aaron Rodgers. So the, the dragon won't be spitting fire. And so yeah. we, we were saying, like, if it... <laughs> If it was going to light one person on fire anyway, it would have been Nate Metters, right? Just like the random. There will be no fire on field Sunday. I know there will be no fire coming from the uh, from the dragon, the uh, the bricks, right? It's it's supposed to be bricks. Yeah, that's right. That have fire that come up towards the press box towards us as well. Those always remind me of no bricks. um, Spinal Tap and the tiny tiny stone Just that. That's exactly what it is. No fire from them though, thanks Uh, to the Titans. So, do they have? How many wide receivers do they have? I'm looking right now. Like, would they have enough to be able to go three, four wides? They've got guy. They've got no, at least one really. guy banged up on the injury report as well. So, I my guess is they don't have four. Tyrell Williams is, three. is their go-to guy, but their tight end Darren Waller has sort of uh, grown to be an interesting player there. Hunter Renfro, the oldest man in college football is one of their top receivers. So that kind of tells you yes. where they're at. Ryan Grant used to play in Washington. He's not a great receiver. They just acquired a guy from the Packers yesterday, I think. Uh, Davis. Yep. Yeah, what's his first name? Tavon or something. Yeah, uh, he's not very good either. So they, they don't they don't really have a mismatch here. And this, this kind of goes for their entire roster. They don't really have anywhere where you'd say, oh, well, they've got the Vikings at this position. If you were doing position by position, the Vikings are better at almost every single, if not every single position, aside from kicker. Um, but uh, something interesting that I'm going to be keeping an kicker, eye on. Did you say kicker? I, I don't know um, what you're talking about. I did whisper kicker. Maybe on the AM signal. That was hard to hear. Um, podcast version. Everyone heard me say kicker. Daniel Carlson better than than uh, Dan Bailey, but uh, so um, Anthony Barr has an injury, groin injury, and he's questionable as well. Now, normally, with someone of the star power of Anthony Barr, if they were questionable, you would say, "Oh, yikes! This could be a big advantage for those running backs coming out of the backfield." Josh Jacobs, DeAndre Washington, Jalen Richard—they love to throw to those guys. Ooh, this could be trouble. But Eric Wilson, this last week against Green Bay, and then last year in the games he played, was very good. And if Anthony Barr doesn't play, and Eric Wilson is in for a week or two, and is fine, if not good, he was good last week, I think that it's going to be fair to kind of look at that move to bring back Anthony Barr and say, maybe you should have just let him go to the Jets or wherever else he wanted to go. Because... I did not I, I did not come away from Anthony Barr's performance in Green Bay and think, oh boy, he was a game wrecker in a big game. It felt very much like, well, that's another one of the Anthony Barr no-shows that we've seen from time to time in games that uh you know that have been kind of big. So I don't know. I, I think that that conversation could be coming. So the these first two games to me have been Anthony Barr's career in a nutshell, right? First play, I think, from scrimmage 
of the season by the Falcons. Anthony Barr comes up on the line. You're like, oh, he's going to rush. He does. He basically gets let go, sacks Matt Ryan, and you're like, aha, uh-huh, that's what, okay, that's what we thought, right? That's what we thought. And then you played a fine game that game, and then you're you're right. The Packers game from the press box, I didn't notice him once, Matthew. So, but this is so this is what I'm talking about, and what we've discussed probably a ton. But Anthony Barr is the type of guy the Patriots say, "Dude, we really like you. We can't keep you. Sorry, because we have to go sign in the Vikings case a guard, a center." Just think about this. If you had allocated one more, if you had let Bargo and allocated that resource towards an interior offensive lineman to protect Cousins, to get Cousins one more piece, and I know it gets tiresome talking about all of the pieces that Kirk needs, but he needs them. Yep. So let's say we're talking right now about the Packer game, and boy, the left guard. They had signed a left guard, and he played really well. And Bradbury, obviously, if you have a really good left guard, wouldn't be struggling as much as he currently is. And, yes, you might miss Barr at times, but the interior of the line looks okay. Think about the difference in that discussion. And, by the way, if that's the, if that's the discussion, there's a very good chance the Vikings win that game. So, uh, so I don't disagree with you. How about this for a little breaking news? Jalen Ramsey been traded to the Vikings? New England Patriots have released Antonio Brown. They did release him, okay. They've had enough. Yep, they have had enough. Well, you saw of, what happened. Yeah, well... Once he, he intimidated somebody, yeah, that was going to be yeah. it. You start in, intimidating someone who's part of a civil case, then, yeah, you've had enough. And, I mean, when they traded for him, you totally could have seen the Patriots going, okay, this is genius. The guy got out of there, or yep. not traded for him, but uh, signed him yeah. after Oakland released him. Yep. I thought it was really clever. Like, oh, well, he orchestrated his release, and I'm all for players getting to choose where they want to play and things like that. But then all the stuff that came down, I do believe that they were caught off guard by that. Mm-hmm. The, the other stuff that was involved with Antonio was mostly him just being sort of petulant. But then when we're talking about rape cases and we're talking about intimidating witnesses and things like that, he has gone so far over the top. I don't think the guy gets picked up by anybody else. I think this is it for him. Oh, I think I, his career is over. I think that the league in the coming days will will put him on the suspended list. Yep. Like they did Peterson. Yep. And so he is, he's got a civil case pending against him. If I'm not mistaken, then another person who, uh, a woman who was an artist doing work at his house, uh, talked to SI, yes, correct? Correct. And that's the person that he accused of being broke and trying to, um, to extort money from him, despite the fact I don't think she was asking for correct. money from yes, him. Correct. And then the thing I read last night that was absolutely incredible was he basically tried to in- intimidate her by texting her on a text message thread that included his own lawyer. Yeah. So there, I'm telling you, man, there's a screw loose there. Uh, there there's there's yeah. something wrong there. I don't know. Like, can you imagine going to your lawyer and being like, here's what I'm going to do? I, I don't know anything about Antonio Brown as a person, but... I will say that uh, after he took some hits, especially the Vontez perfect one in that playoff game, yeah. all this stuff seemed to unravel mm-hmm. with him. And I, I guess mm-hmm. I thought it was a little bit ridiculous for too many people to start diagnosing him from outside, but it is very, very noticeable how his behavior changed from being just a team guy and everything else. And Ryan Clark, uh, who's on ESPN and played with him, said that same thing. And... Going this far over the top to the point of 
threatening people. Like, it was very threatening behavior to right. tag pictures of her kids and things in that text thread. Like, extremely threatening behavior by him. Just, I mean, that's a point where even the New England Patriots, who believe that they can handle just about anybody's BS, have to say, okay, but you we are out. I give them credit for this. The, the Patriots will take on problems, but because because in Belichick's world, it has nothing to, to do with uh, humans. He doesn't care about that. You are gone instantly. Yeah. Like, there's no, well, you know, we signed him and we really should stick with him. The Patriots say, you know what? We thought it might work. It didn't work. You're gone. And, and they're always willing to just say, okay, it didn't work. See ya. Like, Hansworth. Like, they didn't hang on to it very long no. with Hainsworth either. Hansworth was the same thing. They just said, bang, you're done. So let me circle back to the point. So that's what happened. Antonio Brown released by the Patriots. My guess is that the guy is done playing NFL football after this. I mean, this is this goes way beyond goofy Instagram videos and things like that or Facebook lives in the locker room. Way beyond that. This is to this person is a liability to have around your organization, clearly. Uh, circling back to the Anthony Barr conversation, though. Eric Wilson has now only played 377 NFL snaps. So we can't just say Eric Wilson is uh, the starting linebacker and everything else. But last year, looking at his success as a pass rusher, and it was only on a handful of snaps, but it was a very similar type of ratio to snaps, about one of every 10 where he was pass rushing. He got six pressures, which was two sacks, three quarterback hits in a hurry in 31 pass rush snaps, which is about the same ratio or so as what Anthony Barr has done for his career. And even in just two pass rush snaps, he got a quarterback hit in one of them just uh, this week against the Green Bay Packers. And I can't help but wonder how much of Anthony Barr's success, even when it comes to the pass rush, is just the way that Mike Zimmer has schemed it up for the linebackers in those positions. I mean, the sack by Anthony Barr week one is a great example. Atlanta is completely baffled. They take the snap. Nobody blocks him. He gets a sack. Great job, superstar. But you didn't do anything other than just what any football player would have done at that moment, which is walk right in and sack Matt Ryan. And I am not saying that Anthony Barr... And I I wrote that it was a good idea to bring him back. I'm not saying he's not a great player. He can be. He could be a valuable weapon in a league that wants to throw to running backs all the time, but he's great at tracking them down, and so is Eric Hendricks. But it's really about the price that you paid for him over whoever the next best guy is, and Eric Wilson is the next best guy. And I'll just give you the PFF numbers. Last year, Eric Wilson, his grade out of 100 and it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to kind of like understand these, but out of 100, 64.4. And uh, Anthony Barr, I'll pull that up in a second here. But Anthony Barr's was not much higher than that. I believe it was 71. So what's the drop-off for a lot of money and a huge long-term contract? All right. This is a great road. I'll, I'll go down it and ask you this question then. And it's probably too late now. But should the Vikings' fundamental philosophy with uh, Spielman and Zim at the top of the food chain, should it have been this? Mike, I know that you're going to request, and I will grant it, to draft a lot of defensive players high. I also know that your scheme and ability to teach those players will make them very good players. So, Matthew, should the philosophy have been this? I will do that for you. We're going to use a lot of top picks on defensive players. But the trade-off is when those guys age, second contract, they're See, out, they're out the door, and that money will corners. Okay, but that that's my question because and then what we'll do is we'll turn around and flip that money 
towards going to get second contract offensive players because yeah. because I know that you don't develop them. Uh, by the way, 71.4. So last year, Eric Wilson, when he was in, not a huge drop-off. Both are kind of around average, and the biggest issue with Anthony Barr is when he's great, he is great, but when he's not, it is really poor. And this week against Green Bay, it was really poor. And They completed eight passes on eight attempts into his coverage this last week. He got two pressures on nine pass rushes, is about what he usually does. So if he's not an edge rusher and he's not a game changer from coverage, which he's never really been, then why did you pay him this much money? So it's a little bit contradictory. Like I thought it was probably a good idea because he fits so well in the system. He's so smart. He's a great NFL player. But it was a lot of money, and you needed help at other positions. exactly. But you were not in a position with a rookie quarterback contract or something. Does my point make sense? No, absolutely. Should that have absolutely. been should that have been the working procedure? Well, and you look at how some of these have worked out. I mean, okay, so Everson Griffin he had his struggles last year, but he's mostly great. So okay, well he makes sense to keep on a second contract. But you know, your Xavier Rhodes, well, there's some flipping off there that absolutely. maybe you look at it and say, and Hunter, I don't know by if the way, the best signed a contract that was contract so team favorable. You have to do that. So I would, I would not say unequivocally you just can't sign these guys. I would say it really depends on the person, and it depends sometimes on the age, the mileage on their body. Daniel Hunter signs it at age 23. Yeah, or that's tw- a great I mean, deal. like what? Yep. You're getting a second contract by the time you're the same age as Garrett Bradbury when they drafted him. Uh, that was just pretty incredible. Um, but. Aside from looking at it that way, the overarching thing is you have to be able to look at it and say, well, who is giving me truly great value for what I'm going to pay them over the next best person? So an example would be Jalen Ramsey. If you were going to sign Jalen Ramsey to a $20 million a year contract and he plays the way that he's capable of playing, that's a thousand percent worth it. I mean, that is a shutdown corner. He makes every game a nightmare for opposing quarterbacks. He's not going to allow the other team's number one receiver to dominate you in a passing league. That is worth it. A linebacker who's only a little bit better than Eric Wilson, who's undrafted, right? maybe not so much is worth it. I'm sure there's some details that Mike Zimmer could tell me. Well, Barr can do this and he can't do that. But the value toward winning is what you're really focused on here. And what what are the positions at which you can find guys? Like defensive ends, really good ones are hard to find. Cornerbacks, really good ones are hard to find. I would argue linebackers across the board, you can find them. I think so. And develop so, them. And yes. draft them and I, develop I them. I think so, yes. And the fact that Eric Wilson was a guy who came in as a special teamer and then proved himself as a special teamer and and worked his way up. I mean, they have him. Ben Gideon has been pretty solid. Not that I'd want him to play the same role as Barr, but as another guy who's not a first-round draft pick, still pretty good. And I think linebacker is one of those positions. Um, you know, Receiver is tough to pick early on. A lot of times you have to wait and see how people develop. I would absolutely, they'll pay any receiver who's good. I would pay any tackle who's good. I would pay any corner who's good. And maybe the Vikings have a rare situation with these edge rushers. I normally wouldn't pay edge rushers this much, but these two guys I would, if that makes sense, because I think that they're everywhere now. They're everywhere in the draft. Look at the draft. It's like everybody's taking edge rushers now mm-hmm. because there's so many freaks out there. Mm-hmm. These two guys are particularly And that Hunter incredible. contract is such a good contract yeah. for yep. the team, I should say, not yep. for him. I mean, these Hunter and Everson are at the top of the NFL in quarterback pressures through two weeks, and my guess is they'll stay there. So 
Uh, let's take a break. We will come back. Vikings and Raiders tomorrow. And we can further discuss um, the Antonio Brown thing, if, if you like, of just uh, did the Patriots like do the right thing by releasing him now instead of seeing how this played out. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. The countdown to the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Weekend is on. It's not too late to sign up for the TC10K, TC5K presented by Fredrickson and Byron or the Medtronic TC family events featuring races for kids of all ages. To learn more or sign up, visit tcmevents.org or visit scorenorth.com, keyword marathon. Forming their identity and developing it over the course of the season. Brady, end zone, caught by Brown, touchdown, New England. Well, it's over for Antonio Brown in New England. We'll always remember that play, I guess, against the Dolphins. Um, After you intimidate a uh, witness, usually that will get you cut for the second time or removed from the third team in just a matter of months between Pittsburgh and Oakland and now the New England Patriots. Um, If you didn't see that, there was a big article by Sports Illustrated that went behind the scenes of his erratic and sometimes uh, illegal behavior, especially when it came to how he was treating women. And then he attempted to uh, intimidate that person who was quoted in the article, and the Patriots had had absolutely enough of Antonio Brown. They said goodbye. So let me real quick Mm -hmm. throw out some turbo snark for you, if we could. Oh, turbo snark here for you. Oh, Patriot way. I mean, they are just so classy and so genius. I mean, the Patriots. I mean, they would just, everybody's in line there with Bill Belichick and everybody just follows Tom Brady and they have got everything going for them. It is the culture, culture, culture of them. It couldn't be that they have the best quarterback in the history of the freaking sport that it means that they're so genius all the time. This was so genius getting Antonio Brown, super genius, super smart, Patriot way. Now cutting him, also genius. Didn't want him to be a distraction. I'm already seeing that on Twitter from reporters of like, well, this is smart for the Patriots. You just, he was a distraction. So, I mean, stop it. There is no Patriot way. You got the best quarterback. That's it. If Mike Zimmer has Tom Brady, he wins three championships already. End of story. They're not genius. Okay? That's Turbo Snark for you. They are ruthless. Oh, they are, of course. I mean, it's hilarious that they draw the line at, well, okay, intimidating a witness. <laughs> they draw the line, I think, when the league probably calls and says, we're about to suspend your guy for a long time. And yeah. they're like, okay, we don't need him. Yep, yep. And I think Antonio Brown, after this, probably done in the National but you bring up a, League. you bring up a great point. Like, how much of this is brain trauma? And, I, and I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but you're right. There was a time where he was seen as this sort of, I don't know if he was close to a guy like uh, Diggs or Thielen as far as not being a distraction, but he definitely was not a distraction at one point. And now this is bizarre. I think the reason you have to ask that question is not only was he very different, but it wasn't just some hits here or there. It was things that could absolutely change your brain. Sure. I mean, the, the Vontez perfect one, I, 
there are very few hits or injuries that I don't ever want to watch again. I don't really have this issue. Like some people get nauseous if they see someone crack their leg or whatever. The Thiesman. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when that basketball player was a Kevin Ware or yeah, something where he Louisville. He came down and it just like the bone shot out and everything. Yep. No problem for me. I, like, really? I, can, I can watch it. Yeah. Gordon Hayward. I got You can no, take that, huh? Oh yeah. I have no the issue. Compound with that. fractures are tough. I don't like seeing bone come through skin, but no, that's just a personal thing. It doesn't really bother me. Uh but the Antonio Brown hit from Vontez Perfect is one where you have to look away. I mean, usually the concussions for me are just, oh, God, I can't look at that because I know what the long-term ramifications are. And even when that happened, you thought, boy, I don't know how this guy's ever coming back from that. I mean, that was a a car hit him at 20 miles an hour in the face. Mm-hmm. And somehow you know, he comes back and is still a great player, but he was never the same after that. And so it's worth asking, is the guy okay or does he have some pretty serious problems here uh, and the Patriots move on from him today and the way people are with football is we'll probably find out later on uh, whatever happened with him but I don't think we'll be talking about him on a football team anymore no you're probably right so um anyway and now let's move to the football game between although, the although, you know what? And Raiders fighting chance XFL yeah, yeah. Well, didn't Vince McMahon say he didn't want players with criminal records? Yeah, and, like and I that? don't believe Vince don't, McMahon for one second. I don't believe him either. I'm not buying that. I did see that Caleb Jones, remember him, former Viking, yeah. had put something on Instagram about how he felt victimized and he was going to try out for the XFL. There's a there's a story. Anyway, kicking will be a thing at U.S. Bank Stadium. Now, do you want to hear it? I got a few. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll hear it. But I got a few questions off of okay. the Daniel Carlson, Dan Bailey matchup of the week. Daniel Carlson, last year, Lambeau Field. And he missed it again. He missed it again. <laughs> All right, well, you got to say it twice. And we'll end this crazy game in a tie. What went into the decision today to let Daniel Carlson go? Did you see the game? <laughs> Was it was it an easy decision? Yep, easy. Your uh, guy, Mike Zimmer. Yeah, it was easy. That, uh, that's one that Mike might want back after Daniel. And now he's saying, "Well, I hope I've always rooted for him." Well, you, you didn't. Know you didn't on that day. You despise yep. the man. Yep. You could have just said, "We weren't." You know, we we need to be able to trust our kicker. We have to move on here, and we wish him the best. And instead, it's you see the game. Uh, it's always a question. It is always a question when you have any adversity is how is the head coach going to handle it? And with that last year, I'm not saying that his comment at the podium made a difference in terms of how they played over the next couple of games and the meltdown with Buffalo and everything else, but could that be reflective of his demeanor beyond just the podium? Probably. Uh, absolutely. And I would wonder the same thing about this week. It, mm-hmm. You know, He came out today and said, great week of practice and all that. Like, well, was it? Was it like that behind the scenes? Um, so I guess we'll see on Sunday. But do you? is it stupid to ask if you wish that they kept Daniel Carlson? I mean, he's turned out to be a good kicker. The circumstances were very different, but you are still just kicking a football. Uh, has John Gruden just been nicer to him, and that's why we think he makes the field goals now? Like, what are we supposed to say about well, Daniel Carlson? Can we blame them for cutting him after missing three? It's not Daniel Carlson, though. It's the philosophy of a GM who insisted on drafting young specialists and giving them to a head coach who had no business trying to coach or be around young kickers. Like, the kick, Daniel Carlson might be, he might end up in Canton in 18 years. I don't know, but... I will always say this. 
Rick, you know Mike. Like Mike Zimmer, you've known him. You hired him, right? You know his strengths. He develops defenses. One of his, without a doubt, weaknesses is young kickers. He can't handle it. He can't take. He can't. And and the pressure. You've seen this. The pressure he puts on those players is too much. So Daniel Carlson, I said this from the day he was drafted, and it held true to the day that he was cut, and now he's fine, was destined to fail in Minnesota. So I I blame the process of how they went out and decided that they were going to go, another big leg guy from the SEC. Okay, we saw that play out before. I wonder if it is a matter of something with this team or if it's bad decisions, or if it is just simply bad luck, that anybody could go into Lambeau where they've never kicked before on the grass and miss a couple of field goals. One of them was really bad. The other two were just sort of your normal misses. And then bounce back from it. I mean, there are lots of kickers throughout the history of this world, including uh, Gary Anderson, I think. When he came into the league, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, this goes back a long way, but he was a draft pick, and he didn't kick well in preseason, and then whoever cut him, and he goes to Pittsburgh and is one of the best kickers ever. Like, kickers are just wholly unpredictable. And so it wouldn't be surprising to me if you had told me that Daniel Carlson, they stuck with him, they believed in him, and then he made the rest of the field goals for the rest of the time in Minnesota, even despite um, Mike Zimmer and despite the pressure that's on him. But here's Dan Bailey, a proven kicker who's got this great record of accuracy, who has struggled here as well. I don't think you would have predicted that either. I certainly would not have predicted that Kai Forbath would be the only human being who could make a kick around here over the last five years. And they, they let him go. And, and they let him go. And it's not like he's they gone had the and guy. a superstar otherwise. But uh, I think more than anything, more than I would look at them and say it's something you're doing, I would say it's just been chasing your tail as opposed to getting someone and sticking with that person. With Blair Walsh, you had to move on. Um, but even like Kai Forbath, he kicked a little bit for Jacksonville last year, handful of field goals. He was fine. He made four out of five. Like, I don't know. He's not in the league anymore. So everybody must think that Forbath isn't that great of a kicker at this point and agreed with what the Vikings were looking at. I I tend to think that it's just more bad luck at this position than it is anything else. And I didn't understand when they drafted Daniel Carlson either, but clearly they saw the right thing, that he has a lot of talent. Sure, because Rick saw that. But but the problem is, the formula for failure is, and this is true, well, heck, let's pick out the positions in sports. Kickers, goaltenders, in hockey, right? If you have a coach who basically is saying, you're going to screw this up. I know you're going to screw this up. And then the pressure's on in practices, which we saw with Carlson. Carlson's failure was set up, was single-handedly, I believe, predetermined and set up in that preseason game. Was it against Jacksonville or Seattle last year? Where Mike got so upset in a preseason game that he bailed on trying to kick PATs and said, I'm going for two if my kicker can't make it. Like, kickers, they're not mentally equipped to handle that unless they've been around for a long time. And so... I don't think it's luck. I think it's. I think Daniel Carlson would have been fine, but he was given to a guy who had no business uh, being his coach, and so it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Mike's concern is this guy's going to fail. He's going to fail. He's going to fail, and the self fulfilling prophecy is, of course, he's going to. Yeah, I guess because they're not they're they're not linebackers. I have a very very difficult time saying that it must have been Mike Zimmer who caused him to miss field goals. I mean, I look at it much more like. This guy had one bad day, and you panicked because that's all they've done with special teams over the last few years is panic, panic, panic. Correct. 
and you panicked and cut the guy, and he was probably pretty darn good kicker. And you, if he if he had stuck around, more likely than not, he would have just this kid went to Oakland and kicked. He's kicking on a baseball field that has dirt, (laughs) and he's successful. That's what I'm saying is that I I, I think that their their mistake was not putting a rookie kicker with Mike Zimmer. I don't know what difference that made necessarily. I think he had a bad game, and they reacted. Because they got really scared and they thought, okay, we'll bring in Dan Bailey, even though Dan Bailey was past his prime and not as good as he used to be. Sure. And they just continued to chase their tail by saying, well, we'll draft Jeff Locke. Then we'll, then we'll get but, Matt Weil. Then we'll get, you know, this guy, so that why guy did like you, for but, punters and kickers. Why on earth then would, would Corey you, Vedvik. Why, why on earth would you draft uh, Carlson like they did if you were prepared to say, if he struggles, he's gone? It makes no sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they have to be that way with anybody, though. That any fifth-round pick, they have to say, if he struggles, he's gone. I mean, the same thing with Corey Vedvik. They couldn't keep right, him Right, but around. you could have gone and got a veteran kicker who might have had a chance there. I just think that I think the whole thing with Mike and kickers, it's unfair to Mike to expect him to change his stripes en- enough where he says, rookie kicker, this is fantastic. I told you, Sebastian should have been the guy. <laughs> Sebastian Janikowski, who would have smoked cigarettes on the sideline, drank bourbon, and told Zim to bleep off, would have been the perfect kicker for Zim. Yeah, well, he was still 22nd in the league, or Seattle was, in, in field goal percentage. So we would have said, you should have kept the rookie kicker or something. I, I don't know. I, I think it's more... Well, don't you a, feel, though, that Daniel Carlson's going to come in, in here on Sunday and have a chance to win this game? Probably. I have this weird feeling about it. I No, I don't. I think they're going to kick Oakland's ass. Honestly, I really do. Same thing I, I said about that, Buffalo last that, year. But I think this is what's going to happen. I, I think it should happen, but I'm not saying that, because I said uh, week three last year, 29-29 tie with Green Bay. That's fine. They're going to Buffalo. 0-2 uh, terrible. Here's the difference. This is not the Buffalo game. The difference is that the Oakland Raiders do not have anyone that approaches being as good as Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes came in and blew up a game plan right from the very beginning, and that Buffalo defense has turned out over the last two years to be very good and very talented. I do not see the same thing from the Oakland defense. They've got right. a handful of decent players. They're improved from last year. Jerry Hughes is a legit superstar that people don't know about because he plays in Buffalo, but he did the same thing Khalil Mack did or that uh, we saw from Zadarius Smith last week. That's, I hope for that's their what sake he you're right. did. I hope you're right. I don't look at this game as being similar to that. Until I see, until I see the quarterback play well and not look as shaken as he did in Green Bay on Sunday, I am, I'm going to predict they win, but I'm not going to predict it's by a ton. And I will still continue to say that I do not believe that there is any jinx or curse. Now, I believe in jinxes or curses. Uh, let's see, twins will play the Yankees, right? Um, but uh, when it comes to this franchise and kickers and this coach and kickers, I think it's more of just oh, ra- it's not a jinx or curse. rash decisions. Yeah. And I also think that maybe bad luck just plays into it to some it's extent. It's temperament, too. It's time, but it's not jinx. I have a it's not really a tough time saying that it's the head coach because he gets mad. I mean, if you're a, a kicker, I mean, have you never had a coach get mad at you before? Is this the but first, he's constantly mad. You know is, he hates you. But is you. this the first he coach hates, that's ever yelled at you when you missed? He hates your guts. Be. 24 hours a day, he goes home. He comes to work, he hates you. He goes home, he hates you. He hates you. What? There's no pressure kicking at Auburn and the SEC no, against Alabama? I just don't think it helps to have a coach who hates, who despises your lot in life. I don't think of college football coaches for Auburn as being the most generally friendly people, especially to a kicker. My guess is that he just had a bad day and he was actually really good. That well, was- he might be, yeah. Well, no, he's proven to be good. 
And good for him. So they probably overreacted, as they've of, done with many course, situations right. here. Dan, but Bailey, that's the thing; they're prone to do that. Dan Bailey so, wasn't good, so they trade for Corey Vedvik, who can't kick at all. Yeah, who, who, by the way, before that was great in Baltimore. He was making everything. Now he obviously went to the Jets and failed. But yeah, they. But why put why put this coaching staff in a position though? To do what you know they're going to, to See, do, because you're because you're right. But, but what you just they, said is right. They basically shouldn't even have a kicker the way that we're talking about it, because like Dan Bailey keeps missing too. So what is that? Is that Zimmer's fault also? It, Dan Are Bailey. we just going to blame a different thing? Blair Walsh lost weight, so that's why he missed. And Kai Forbath was too eccentric to make. Oh, PATs. Blair Walsh losing weight's the biggest and, BS right, thing I've ever heard. Right, like what I mean, I'm saying is let a veteran kicker tick Zim off by missing. Giving him a rookie makes zero sense. He can't take it. I'm not trying to say Dan Bailey's been great. He hasn't. I think mentally, he at least can just take the fact that he's despised. He's Dan Bailey has been one of the worst kickers in the NFL over the last two years. Yeah, I don't think there's I a correlation the, between a mad answer, football coach and missing. Other than other than the fact that I would not ever again draft a kicker. I think that kicking is super weird and super mm-hmm. random, and we learned all about how it depends on the battery between the snapper and the holder. My guy Colquitt must not have done his job on Sunday. I guess not. I guess not. All right, Still a um, Colquitt fan, though. Let's, uh, let's put it down on paper when we come back. All What's right. going to happen on Sunday? Collar and Zolgad, you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Jonathan Harrison here with the final score north download of the week for Purple Daily. Before we head into this Sunday's Vikings Raiders game, let's take a quick look at the injury report put out by the Vikings today. Mackenzie Alexander out for the game. Others on the injury report, Ben Gideon listed as questionable limited participant as well as Anthony Barr, questionable limited participant there. Pat Alfine and Mike Hughes are both questionable, but they were full participants in Friday's practice. It's been 10 years since we all went on a Magic Carpet ride with Brett Favre, and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of the 2009 Viking season. Join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition on demand anywhere you find your favorite podcast, or just go to scorenorth.com and click on Shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the week of Purple Daily. Thanks, Jonathan. Let me ask you a question, Judd. More likely that we look at this week too because I'm tired. So it's been a long week of every everyone just on the internet Sorry and all of that. our guests and everything else. Oh I'm not I'm not sad about it. Okay. They had uh chicken fingers downstairs for Friday. I'm not sad about anything today. Those are delicious. Good oh my gosh. Just amazing. It's remarkable how the you and Seth Auger and Declan Jonathan, y'all love the chicken fingers. Do you those, not indulge? Those guys no. came back from the fair one day to eat the chicken fingers here. They're that good and I don't even disagree with the decision. That's not excessive? Yeah. No, 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 they're really wow. Good. It's okay. worth it. Yeah, anyway, I'll try them next Friday. This is aside from the point. The point is oh, sorry. that it's been a long week, I think, for Vikings fans leading up to this game because of what they saw, the last taste in their mouth from Green Bay. So will we ultimately look at this week mm-hmm. as, oh, wow, we were way off. That week we overreacted and panicked like crazy and spun ourselves into circles over nothing, and they finished 11-5. and five. Or will it be... The red flags were a flying like crazy after week two, and everybody felt the same, and everybody was right. And now let me give you a quick example. Mm-hmm. Two two examples, actually. Okay. Uh, number one example is the Vikings beat the Houston Texans in week five of 2016, and the next week they went to Philly. And afterward, you brought this up many times, but Mike Zimmer called the offensive line soft and ripped into them, and we all went, 
oh, this isn't just a regular loss. There's something really up here. And then after they lost in Chicago, it was over. I mean, you could have, they were five and two that year, but you could have told me it's over right now. They're missing the playoffs. And I would have a hundred percent been on board with that. Right. That was not just one bad game. Now, Case Keenum had to play against Pittsburgh week two in 2017. And he played so poorly that you and I had a big debate with listeners and callers and everybody else about whether they should be calling Colin Kaepernick because this was a disaster. And we were completely wrong. I mean, it wasn't a disaster at all. They played great after that. A lot of things fell their way, and Keenum was outstanding for that season. And it turned out to be an overreaction from us in Week 2. So tell me which way this is going to go. All right. In fact, I am uh, penning a column for scorenorth.com that I will publish about this topic. And I really believe this. And it's going to sound like hyperbole, and it's going to sound like I'm going too far, but I don't think I am. For the reasons that you just presented, I think that this win is a must-win game and that Cousins has to play well. And here's why. If they lose, they're now 1-2, and but you're going to Chicago next. If Cousins does not play a role in this win, and if Cousins struggles, I think the fans, fans are now, and there was no time, I don't think, Collar, in 2018, where the U.S. Bank Stadium fans were going to, were going to really do a hard turn on Kirk. Mm -hmm. I think now they're looking to, and if things don't go well on Sunday, if things, if Kirk skips balls in front of receivers, if Kirk uh, throws a dumb pick, if he throws into double coverage again, I think the Boo Birds, 60 plus thousand, are going to come out in full force. And I honestly believe the Vikings need to play well. They need to win because if they do, I think they can stabilize things and be fine. And you know what? If you go to Chicago and lose and you're two and two, you're two and two. If you're one and three and Cousins has not played well, and and I don't know that Kirk can mentally hack the fans turning on Kirk. I so think I think Sunday is yeah. I think Sunday is enormous, and I know it's week three, but I think it's enormous. Now, throughout his career, I made the point earlier to Myron Metcalf, and uh, it's clear where you can find spots that he has shown a lot of toughness, a lot of resilience. Last year in Philadelphia was the example from last year, though. Even though he melted down week seventeen, no doubt about it, it wasn't like he's never done this before, where he's Correct. played well in a big game and so forth. Um, so this week, I agree with you. It is a big game for him, but maybe even for everybody else more than him. I mean, if you're going to win as an NFL team, you better believe in your quarterback. Even if you're the Baltimore Ravens with Trent Dilfer, they believed that Trent Dilfer could do the job Trent Dilfer was supposed to do. And after last week, Cousins didn't even do the job he was supposed to do. And there have been plenty of games where he hasn't since he's been a Minnesota Viking. That's where you might lose other people. Mm -hmm. Even if Kirk still believes in himself after this week, if they don't win and he doesn't play well, you might start to have other people with that team going, oh, nothing's different. It's all, in fact, it's worse, right? And that's how the, that's how a team can fall down, um, you know, and underachieve, I think, is when they stop believing in the people in charge or who are in key positions. But I don't think that's going to happen, Jen. I'm putting it down. What did I say earlier, Jonathan? 28, 13. I think that sounds right, yeah. Okay. If I if I didn't, then it was something in that ballpark. I think they're going to whoop uh, Oakland. I think Diggs, Thielen go off. They don't have very good corners. My guess is that they misplay the Vikings and try to load the box, and then they hit on big plays, and that's right. that's my guess. What, what are you thinking here? 17-14 Vikings. You think it's ugly, huh? I think it's ugly. I think it's close, but I think they get the win. Okay. All right. Well, that's how we wrap up the week. Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next here. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back on Score North. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.